So good to see everyone and just get the joy of being able to gather in person. I don't want us to ever take that for granted after what we've been through over the last few years. If you are worshiping with us online, we love that you are a part of our church community uh, and we're excited that you're here as well. I want to encourage you to go ahead and take out your Bibles, take out something to take notes with. We're going to get into God's word together. Each year as a church, we take time to seek the Lord and to listen in prayer for what is God speaking to our church in this year? What is what we believe the word of the Lord, uh, what, the, what the spirit is speaking to the church in this season? And for 2022, our theme is encounter Jesus, that while we always want to be a people of knowing Jesus, enjoying Jesus, worshiping him, encountering him, we feel like that God is highlighting this for us as a church family this year. Something to lean into, to focus in, to really pay attention to. And so this entire year, we're going to be focused in, in a fresh way, on encountering Jesus. I hope that we've never drifted from that, but there's always times where it's like, man, let's come back to the core of who we are and who God has made us to be. And throughout scripture, we see Jesus calling out to people who are hungry, who are thirsty, and inviting the hungry and the thirsty to come to him, to eat, to drink in his presence, to eat from the bread of his presence, to drink from the wine of his spirit. And there in that place in knowing him and feasting on him for his people to be satisfied, for his people to be filled, for our thirst to be satiated. And that from that place of feasting in Jesus, from that place of encountering him, that we then would go out to the world around us, carrying his presence and power to a broken and dying world around us. But we need his presence and power at work in our lives first. We need to be filled that we might be able to go. Our key verse for this year is John chapter 6, verse 35. It's kind of anchoring us as we go through this journey where Jesus declares that he is the bread of life and that everyone, uh, whoever comes to him says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So my assumption after speaking with many of you, what, what, what I've heard from so many is that we are hungry people, that we are a thirsty people, that we realize our need, that we're not coming to church today thinking that we have it all together, that we're not coming to church today to think that we've just kind of, we're good. One of the things, interesting things about Dallas pastoring here for the last decade or so is watching a shift that I've seen the pandemic bring in our lives, bring for many of us from a place of self-sufficiency to a place of realizing our deep need, our deep hunger and thirst for God. I've seen a brokenness come across not just our congregation, but our city and maybe even our generation where we realize like we do not have it all together and we are in need. And Jesus is saying for every person who's hungry, for every person who's thirsty, doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've been through. None of those are qualifiers. What qualifies you? He says, if you're hungry or you're thirsty, I am here for you. And I want to fill you. I want to feed you. I want to strengthen you. We believe that the Holy Spirit is highlighting this for us as a church this year to focus in. 
And we want to encounter Jesus in all of life. We believe what the scripture says is that better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. That in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church history testifies that this promise that we just read is not a vain promise or just like, oh, that's a nice Sunday school verse. But church history testifies that God is faithful to fill his people when we come. We want to encounter him in all of life, but there are three specific areas we believe the Lord is leading us to hone in on, that as we hone in on these three things, that that would set us up to encounter the Lord everywhere. Those places are encountering Jesus in our home, encountering Jesus in our church, and encountering Jesus in our city. So this year, we want to focus in on what does it look like afresh for us to encounter the Lord where we live, whether you live in a dorm you live in an apartment, you live in a townhome, a single family residence, you live in a multifamily residence, you live in an RV or a tent or some other place, wherever you call home, that that would be a place where the Lord wants to meet you there. That God wants to meet you there. That God wants to encourage you there, wants to strengthen you there, wants to speak to you there in your home. That God wants to encounter us afresh in the church that as we gather together as the body of Christ, he wants to meet with us in fresh ways. And that the Lord wants to encounter us in the city. That as we go on mission together to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our campuses, the places where God has called us, that he wants to meet with you and me there. We want to encounter him in our home, in our church, and in our city. So we're focusing in on these weeks leading up to Easter on encountering him in the home. As we go throughout the rest of the year, we'll build on that, but we want to start where we live every single day. We want to build from there. So for the next several weeks, we've been doing it. We're going to continue to, what does it look like to encounter Jesus in our home? And I want to repeat these things to you uh, because these are so important. And this is what we believe God is leading us into. So a little bit of this is review, but a lot of this is setting the table for what we believe God has for us this year. So we're talking about encountering Jesus in the home. There are two things that we want to hone in on, that we want to practice together. One is enjoying a weekly Sabbath. And we talked about taking that Sabbath time as marked by stopping, by resting, by delighting in God and delighting in God's works. So over the last few weeks, the challenge has gone out to when is your Sabbath time? When are you taking a break this week to rest, to stop, to delight in God and delight in God's works? That that is something that God wants to give to you and me. And in that place, the Holy Spirit wants to strengthen us, wants to encourage us, wants to feed us and to fuel us that the Lord wants to meet with you there. Been hearing from you testimonies of, okay, I'm getting started with this, or we're re-engaging with this, we're trying to take steps and taking that time off, and we want to pursue that together all year. So I want to ask you again, pull out your phone. Last week, your question was, when are you going to have Sabbath time? This week, I want you to look, and I want you to think, go ahead and pull out your phone. I want you to look at your calendar, and I want you to think about, okay, was I able to do that this week? If you missed, if you didn't get to it, it's okay. We're trying to take steps together, and these are steps of grace. We're not here to perform or check things off a list. We're trying to respond to the Lord. 
And I want you to look at this week and I want you to mark off, when is that Sabbath time going to happen for you? We want to help you take steps in this. God wants to care for you in this way, in very practical ways. So look on your calendar. The second challenge from last week was that daily, that we will be people who enjoy a daily quiet time. So it'll be time to stop and rest in God, delight in him weekly. But also there will be way stations along the way each day to meet with the Lord. So your challenge was to block out time, both weekly and daily. And if you're just getting started, uh, just pick a number that seemed good to you. Maybe it's 15 minutes as you feel like, okay, this is a step I can take. Maybe for others, it's 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, whatever it is, we want to engage in this together. What we're going to do now and what we're going to do for the next few weeks is talk about on the quiet time, when I have a quiet time, what in the world do I do? You've ever had to have, if you ever tried to have a quiet time before, sometimes you show up and you're like, okay, I made it. I'm going to pray. Thank you, God, that I'm here. Thank you, God, for my jacket. Thank you, God, for my bracket that was good, but then and now it's bad and maybe it'll be good. You know, you just start, you don't know, right? I understand when we're learning to spend time with the Lord, when we're learning to get alone with God, sometimes we can get there and just be like, I don't really know what to do from here. And I love teaching about this subject. My wife and I have been so deeply marked in our own lives. This has been a place where the Lord has met and changed us in very profound ways in the area of meeting with him, of having a quiet time. And so what I want to do today is I want to let you into, here's what I do. In my quiet times, I have so benefited in my life from mentors who have let me sit in on their quiet times. It's a little awkward, but I would ask mentors from time to time, hey, could I just sit in and just watch you have your quiet time? And could you show me what you do? I'm the type of person that learns by example. When the churches that I were a part of, when I'd hear they were doing a seminar or a teaching on quiet times, I would always go because I wanted to hear what they were doing, because I wanted to learn and I wanted to grow. And I love taking people. I love taking people that I'm mentoring, taking them. And we start right here because it's such an important building block. So I just like to do that with all of you over the next few weeks. Is this the only way to do it? No, but these are tried and true ways that if you'll take some of these things and begin to put them into place in your, in your quiet times, if you're hungry and you're thirsty, the Lord will meet with you there. I love one of my mentors. Uh, he described uh, some of these things as strap on your seatbelt because here comes the glory of God, right? That it would be that type of deal where we're really meeting with the Lord. And of course, every day is not fireworks and lightning, but sometimes it is. But every day there's an opportunity because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for us. There's an opportunity for you and me to come in our need by God's grace to the Lord and to be fed in him. So uh, this will be what's going on in my house uh, these days, early in the morning, what I'm doing in my quiet time. And I want to take you in there. So you're going to need some notes. You're going to need your Bible. We're going to start in Luke chapter 24. And the first part of my quiet time is all about gratitude. Thankfulness is one of the things that I want to be a part of my times with the Lord. And when I'm helping people spend time with God, I want to help people be thankful to the Lord. So that's where we're going to start. 
One scripture that really has profoundly impacted me is in Luke chapter 24. Now, this is a famous story. Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead. His disciples don't realize it yet. And he walks up to two of his disciples who are walking along the road, the road to Emmaus, and he journeys with them there. And they're disappointed, they're discouraged, they're despondent, they're disillusioned. They're like, we thought Jesus was all this, and then he was crucified, and they're just down. And they don't recognize when Jesus walks up to them. And Jesus begins to talk with them, and he begins to open the scriptures up to them, and they're still not realizing that it's Jesus. And they get to the end of their journey, and they invite him to eat with them. So Jesus goes in, in Luke chapter 24, They sit down to eat, and in verse 30, it says, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks. That little phrase right there, gave thanks, is very significant. He gave thanks, he broke the bread, and began to give it to them. This is Luke 24, verse 30. Then, after he gave thanks, broke the bread, and began to give it to them, then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And then Jesus disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, I've thought about this story a lot and all the details that Luke includes. And it's always stood out to me that the disciples didn't recognize Jesus when he walked up to them. The disciples didn't recognize Jesus as he opened the scriptures to them. The disciples didn't recognize Jesus when they sat down to eat. The disciples, it says, their eyes were opened to see Jesus when they heard Jesus give thanks. When Jesus gave thanks, there was something in that that opened their disciples' eyes. And I've wondered, this is a question that I want to ask the Lord when we meet him face to face, what was it about the way you give thank, you gave thanks that opened their eyes? Do you ever have people in your life that they say words in a certain way that kind of makes you chuckle? Uh, my dad is from North Carolina. We grew up in Texas. And I remember as a kid when my dad would get on the phone with his family, it was like they went into another language, the way they would pronounce words. And I was like, Dad, I've never heard anyone say Dad, D-A-D. Or D-A-D-D-Y, I never heard anyone say it, Diddy. But they would say, Diddy. And that's what they're, how they were saying, Dad. Dad, I've never heard anyone say water, W-A-T-E-R, water, wooder. And, I'm like, and there's something about it. It's like, oh, we know where you're from. When we lived abroad, we would often be like, oh, you have an accent. People would tell us we have an accent. As a Texan, we think everyone else has accents, and we're the only ones that say things normal, Right? But everyone else is like, no, no, you guys have accents, right? And I don't know if there was something in the way that Jesus said thank you, some unique way that he said it that reminded them, or if it was just part of the overflow of his life, but somehow they had been around him enough and heard him give thanks enough that when he gave thanks, there was something where they were like, man, we know exactly who that is. That's Jesus. Their eyes were open. And so I did a study on the places in scripture that Jesus gave thanks. And it's really interesting that giving thanks marked the life of Jesus. Not just here in this story on the road to Emmaus, but that Jesus had this regular habit 
of giving thanks. So much that his disciples recognized him when he gave thanks. Before the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15, Jesus gave thanks. Scripture records Jesus gave thanks, and then the food was multiplied. When Jesus fed the 5,000, same thing. Jesus gave thanks, and then the miracle happened. The food was multiplied. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he starts out by giving thanks. So over and over and over again, we see significant miracles in the life of Jesus begin with him giving thanks. At the Last Supper, as Jesus broke the bread and poured out the wine, it said around both of them, he gave thanks. First Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that when we take communion, when we drink of the wine, we are literally drinking of the cup of thanksgiving. That's how significant his thankfulness before that meal was. And on the road to Emmaus, again, Jesus gave thanks. And in this Luke 24 passage, what I learned from it is that it's there in the presence of thankfulness that it allowed the disciples to see Jesus and understand him in fresh ways. As Jesus gave thanks, their eyes were open to, oh my goodness, Jesus is with us, though we did not know this. And their perspective changed. They're like, wait, weren't our hearts burning within us as he explained the scriptures to us in that environment of thankfulness? Thankfulness in the life of Jesus uh, overflowed to his disciples. And throughout the pages of, the, of Scripture, we see the people of Jesus are marked by that same regular practice of giving thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us that thankfulness is to be one of our core values. That it says, this is the will of God for you and for me, that we would be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5. A core part of who we are as Jesus' disciples is to be thankful. Psalm 100 tells us that thankfulness is to be a part of our worship. In fact, of 150 psalms, there are 24 separate psalms geared toward teaching the people of God how to be thankful in worship. Psalms are the prayer book of the church. And one out of every six psalms is geared around us giving thanks in our times of worship and prayer. First Timothy 2 tells us that our prayer life, that your prayers and mine are to be marked by thanksgiving. Our thought life, Philippians 4, tells us whatever is praiseworthy, I want you to set your mind on these things. Whatever you can be thankful for. So our core values our worship, our prayer, our thoughts, and even our conversations. Ephesians 5 says that when we speak to one another, part of what we need to speak to one another is thankfulness, our thanksgiving. So you can see for the life of Jesus and for a disciple trying to follow in his ways, this is something that is to mark us as the people of God. And I always want to start my times with the Lord. I want to be consistent in starting with thankfulness. This summer, I went to a training or a seminar of sorts by a gentleman who is a counselor, psychiatrist, pastor type, and he was talking about having a healthy soul, having a healthy heart. 
Uh, and he noted uh, in, in his writings, he noted that thank you are two of the most important words that we can say because they are the language of a holy and healthy soul. I thought that was really significant. Dietrich Bonhoeffer noted that it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Scientific studies have shown that people who practice gratitude have long-lasting positive physical and emotional effects from that gratitude. Grateful people sleep better, exercise more, have increased immunity against disease, live longer, enjoy greater self-respect and better relationships. Gratitude lowers frustration, regret, and resentment. So we can see the power of what Thanksgiving does. We see it in the life of Jesus. We see it throughout the scriptures. We see the scientific benefits of it in our lives. But we all know that it's not quite that simple. Sometimes I ask people how they're doing. They say, well, I can't complain. And I don't know. Maybe there are like two people on the planet that can't complain. And maybe I'm one of the, the others that just can. I'm like, no, I, I could certainly find a lot of reasons to complain. And when you read scripture and you study history, we as humans, we're very good at finding things to complain about. So I don't know when someone's saying that if they're choosing to be positive or if they're just not dealing in reality, right? But I for sure can find things to complain about, and I imagine you can as well. And that opposite, the, we see the, the benefits of thankfulness, but I also want to point out the challenge against thankfulness in all of our lives. As we read through Scripture and you read the story of Adam and Eve, right? Satan comes to tempt them. It's like, hey, uh, what about this fruit over here, the fruit of this tree, now, they could have been thankful. They could have been like, well, man, look at everything the Lord has given to us. Look at all these other trees we could eat. This is absolutely amazing. They could have been consumed with thankfulness and not given any time to the enemy's temptations. What about this? But what were they drawn to? They're like, oh, you know, you're right. You are right. We don't have, huh? And we all know what came from that, right? That sin, that open a door to sin and open a door to walking away from God, the absence of gratitude, the absence of thanksgiving. Uh, as God's people are delivered from Egypt in the Old Testament and they're going through the wilderness, God is working miracles. He's delivering them with signs and wonders. He's providing supernaturally to them. And again, what happens? They grumble and they complain and they start to not be thankful but they say, well, we don't have this and we don't have this and we don't have this and we don't have this. And that grumbling and complaining, right? It leads them away from the good things that God had for them. Ultimately, as you read through the history of the people of God, this issue of thankfulness in lean times and hard times and also in times of blessing, when you choose to practice thankfulness, when people choose to be thankful, it keeps them there with the Lord. But ingratitude, complaining is one of the things that causes people to drift away. Romans chapter one tells us that though mankind, though we knew God, we didn't give thanks to him or honor him. And that choosing not to give God thanks for the good things that we have in our lives led to our, our drift, led to the unraveling of our life, led to the destruction of sin that is unraveling all of us. And so we know we start talking about being thankful, 
right? It's not as easy as just, oh man, that's a great thing to do. There is a battle in all of our hearts for gratefulness, for gratitude. That's why this issue is so important. There's a significant story in Luke chapter 17 where Jesus heals 10 lepers. 10 lepers, Jesus comes along and heals all of them. And Luke records that nine of them uh, uh, go away. You don't hear from them again. One returned to give thanks to the Lord. One. And sometimes I have thought, and maybe you've thought this too, you know what? I'm generally a thankful person. When I feel like giving thanks, I'll give thanks. And a lot of times I don't feel like giving thanks, so I don't give thanks. And I remember reading this story and being so convicted at, man, God healed them. But only one of the 10 thought, oh, I have something to be thankful for and return. That really spoke to me about that thankfulness is not just a feeling that I can count on. Okay, I'm going to be thankful on the days where I feel like giving thanks. Right? Because even when God is at work in someone's lives, healing them, delivering them, doing miracles, signs, and wonders, we see over and over and over again in Scripture that there's this propensity, this sinfulness in all of us to turn away from gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord and either just drift and go our own way or choose to complain and grumble about what we don't have that someone else has. And so there's a real battle for all of us in the area of giving thanks. It's very, very significant. Because of the cross, Jesus has made a way for you and I not just to hear this and be like, okay, I'm going to leave here and I'm going I'm to try and be a good person. I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and overcome these things. No, because of the cross, Jesus has given you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus, has put a new spirit within us. He's put his own spirit within us. Jesus, who practiced perfect thankfulness, has given you and me, not the spirit of the world that's marked by complaining, but he's given us the spirit of the, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ dwells in you and me that is wired and wants to move us toward places of gratitude and thankfulness. So when we talk about this, we're not leaving with empty morals, but as sons and daughters, we're saying, no, I've been given the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done, and now I have the opportunity to partner with the Spirit to let thankfulness come out of my life and let the fruit of thankfulness grow up within me. There's a Many things I hope for our church, but one that I hope for our church is that when people are around us, that they would see, man, those are very thankful people, that thankfulness would be something that marks us. But as we learned in the Hebrews series, when the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, we also partner with the Spirit to keep in step with the Spirit. We don't leave a time like this of saying, well, I want to try uh, and be a thankful person, that will last you all of two minutes until you get on 635 and all the construction and people cutting you off and, and we'll just drift away from that. No, we are a people who are training. We're people in training. Remember, we learned the difference between trying and training. And we as disciples, we're saying we're apprenticing ourselves to Jesus. We're taking the spirit that God has put within us and we want to partner with the spirit. We want to walk with the spirit, the scriptures would say. We want to keep in step with the spirit. Remember, training 
requires a plan to achieve. If you say, oh, I'm going to start working out, right? You're trying to work out. When someone tells you they're in training for something, you know they've got a plan with what they're doing. Uh, when we try, right, we have impulsive effort. Okay, I'm going to go to the gym this afternoon. I'm going to work hard. I bought the gear. I bought new shoes. I've got my AirPods. I'm ready, right? But something comes up, a couple of things come up, and all of a sudden it's been several weeks since you've been to the gym. But when you have that plan, when you have that commitment, there's persistent effort with training, right? I'm locked in. I got my times blocked off, right? We're people in training. And training brings predictable results, whereas trying brings idealistic hoping. Oh, this is going to be the year that I'm going to get in shape. No, but you know if you commit to training, right, you know that you will get in shape. So when we talk about thankfulness, again, back to the quiet time, this is, okay, I want thankfulness to be a part of my times with the Lord because I'm in training. Because I see this in the life of Jesus. I see that this is a mark of the disciples. I see that this is a response to the spirit that God has put within me. And I also see my propensity to complain, to grumble, to drift, to focus on things that I would rather complain about than be thankful for. And so I need a plan. I need to be in training and you do as well. So here's what I do, and we're going to do this together to start the quiet time. Now, I will say, I am, uh, I, it has been pointed out to me that I am a systematic person, that I like to have a plan and things organized and orderly. Uh, I've had people let me know even recently and looking at my notes on various things, that they're like, wow, this is a note-taking system. So realize, this is me. You can do it differently, okay? I'm just going to share you with what I do. I try Every morning, to start my times with the Lord, it's very, very simple, but I try and start my times with the Lord with writing out five things I'm thankful for. And I keep a running list, and I try and have new things every day. But what it does is it starts my times in the morning by focusing on not what I have to complain about, not what I have to be upset about, not what I have to be frustrated about, but what I have to be thankful to the Lord for. So I have a document, 2022, on my computer, and I just, every day, I'm trying to add five things to it that I run through. So we're going to do it right now together. So I want you on your phone or something to take notes with. I want you to start, and we're going to take a few minutes here together to give thanks. So with whatever you have to write with, I want you to start out, and you're going to say, God, I am thankful for and put in whatever comes to your mind. Now, the goal of these five things is not that I would get done and be like, great, I've achieved thankfulness. I am done for the day. I don't need to be thankful anymore. But no, that I would do this as a way to set the temperature for my day, to set the thermostat that I'm going to be a thankful person to the Lord, to my wife, to my kids, people that work with me, I am going to be a person marked by gratitude. I'm going to respond to the spirit within me, the Holy Spirit, to be grateful. So I want you to start with five. Overachievers, you can do 10. I'll give you a minute to write those out. Looking across the congregation, there's such diligence on your faces as you write these things. That's awesome. I love seeing it. When you're finished, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you 
If you don't know them, introduce yourself. We're a community church. We want to get to know one another. But I want you to find someone where you can share who you are, share a couple of things. You don't have to share them all, but share a couple of things that you're thankful for. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes to do that, but turn to someone. We're just going to practice this. Share with them what a few things that you're thankful for are. Give you a couple minutes to do that, and then we will conclude. All right. I like seeing people giving thanks, connecting, and being thankful. I'm going to share a few last thoughts before we get to the action item, the challenge for this week. Uh, Brene Brown had done research for 12 years on what makes people happy. And I thought this was really interesting. She said, in 12 years of research, in all that time, I've never interviewed a person who describes themselves as joyful who did not actively practice gratitude. Practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I don't merely mean an attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. The folks who describe themselves as joyful all shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. Last thing on thankfulness. For the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it was there in the presence of thankfulness that they saw Jesus. It was there in the presence of thankfulness. They recognized Jesus. They recognized the grace of God before them, the grace of God at work in our lives. And as we start our quiet times with this, yes, it does bring joy in our lives. But even more than that, it helps us to see the Lord. It helps us to see the hand of God, the hand of grace at work in your life and mine. And the thankful people are people that give glory to God. Giving thanks is one of the ways that we glorify God. So here's what I want you to do this week. In your quiet time, the time that you've marked out to spend time with the Lord, to enjoy quiet time, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to feed you there as you give thanks. So as you're going this week, I want to challenge you, your action item. This is one of those sermons where it's awesome this morning, but it's even better when you put this into practice. I want, you to I want to challenge you to do something in your quiet time that orients you toward being thankful. So you can be like me and you can write a list. You can figure out you go on a walk and you can just say things you're thankful for. You can come up with any number of ways, but I want you to focus in on being thankful, practicing gratitude. And that's going to be the foundation that we build our quiet times on. Next week, we'll start looking at scripture worship and prayer, we want to start with thankfulness. With that, I want to invite you to stand. Hopefully your list of things that you're giving thanks for um, inspires you to worship the Lord and have a fresh sense of gratitude toward him. So as our worship team comes forward, we are going to take time to worship the Lord because we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. We have, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have the grace of God and the goodness of God at work in our lives, even in the midst of challenging circumstances and trials. The Lord is here, and we have much to be thankful for, for his grace, for the cross, for his love, for eternity with him. And so uh, more than just the, the earthly things, the earthly, oh man, I'm so happy that it's sunny outside. Let us let those thanksgivings raise up in praise and thankfulness to the Lord. 
And we're, so we're gonna end with worship. The song that we're gonna sing is all about Jesus being the holy and anointed one. It is a throwback song, but it is an oldie, but a goodie. And I'm excited for us to worship the Lord together with, with that. I'm gonna pray and then we'll respond. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us, all the ways that you have been good to us, Lord. Were we to count them, God, that it would outnumber the, the, the thoughts that we could have. We, we would we'd more than eternity to count them. Just as we're here cultivating hearts of thankfulness, partnering with the Holy Spirit because of what you've done on the cross, Lord, God, we wanna lift up a song of praise to you. We wanna carry that attitude and practice of thankfulness throughout our days that we might be a people marked by the gratitude of which you're worth, Lord. As the worship team leads us, I wanna invite you to respond.